and welcome to mini episode 35 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? And we are back we together are. in the studio. Boys are b- back in town. I mean, it works. Okay. We're, we're going to go with that. <laughs> Thank you to everybody for being so patient with our pre-recorded episodes. We are back together. I am back from Ireland. Thank you to everybody who messaged me to say have a good time and all that jazz. I had a very lovely time. I've come back feeling very relaxed, ready to take on the world. But I also nearly severed my thumb when I came back, which was a very (laughs) serious incident. And then Dan probably realised how drama-free his life had been for a month. Yes. And then I came back, severed my thumb, (laughs) said I was going to faint. (laughs) Didn't faint, but also didn't lose a thumb. I was being very dramatic. It was just a cut. But before we begin today, I would like to give a shout out to tiny baby Owen who was born during lockdown which makes my heart sing Owen's mom is Nikki and his dad is Aaron and I just wanted to say that Nikki you're doing a great job you had a baby during lockdown girl get you and Owen is incredibly cute so congratulations the pair of you the three of you and your little your new little family I love it so you ready for some stories today Never ready for the spooks. Story number one today comes from Katie. Does the Banshee really herald the death of a family member? Or is her job a more noble one? To carry the souls to the afterlife? Here is my story. I'm sorry if it's a bit long. I tried making it as short as possible. I'm an American but my father and my grandparents are from Ireland. So I've grown up with knowledge of the folklore, namely that of the Banshee. My maiden name is O'Brien, and I've been told that it's an ancient family name and that it has a Banshee attached to it. I can tell you that I thought this was just a bunch of crap until I had an experience in November of 2012. But first we must go back in time to some years prior to that. In 2000, my father took me on my first trip to Ireland for my 25th birthday. He's from Knock in County Mayo, so we spent most of our time there as he was showing me where he grew up. We had checked into the Daily Hotel, the Imperial Hotel in Castle Bar. As stated earlier, both of my grandmothers were from Ireland as well, and on this particular day I was leaving the hotel to visit my grandmother's sister who lived in Ackle. My father walked me to the car, doing what all dads do, going on about car safety, and was reminding me to stay on the correct side of the road. That's when we passed a little old lady standing in a doorway. She was about four feet tall and had raven black hair, and I still remember every wrinkle on her face. Our car was parked in front of that doorway, so she was in my eyesight the entire time. But when I opened the car door to get in, she was gone. I mentioned to my dad how fast that lady was for her age. What lady? he asked. That one, I said, the the one that was standing in the doorway. He replied that he hadn't seen a lady there. And then he said, you are in Ireland, you know. Maybe it was the Banshee or the Queen of the Fairies. Be careful driving to Ackle, you might get spirited away. 
I told him to stop teasing and I got into the car and drove off. That night, I came back from my visit and I met my father in the pub where he was having drinks with an old school friend. We had dinner and I go up to the room for the night. We were on a budget so we only got the one room, but it was the biggest room they had, practically a suite they had told us upon check-in. It had two doubles, a small window, a TV and bathroom that was the same size of the room. My father's bed was closest to the door and mine was next to the wall by the TV. That night I was awoken by my father arguing with someone and I heard him say, Get away from me, death. My eyes flew open and I just stared at the wall, my heart racing. I told myself do not turn around because if it really is death, you won't want to look at it. So I didn't turn around. And to this day, I have no idea who or what my dad was talking to. I can't tell you I was very relieved the next day when he actually woke up. However, he was so sick that we had to extend our stay at the hotel by two more days so he could recover. Now fast forward to 2011. My dad passed away after a long illness. I never heard any of the preceding warning of death that people write or talk about for the Banshee. So I was thinking this whole Banshee attached to the family thing was a load of shit. However, a year later I experienced something that made me change my opinion of the Banshee. My father didn't want to be buried. He wanted to be cremated and his ashes scattered. A year later, my mother still had not done so because she said she wanted to do it in Ireland and couldn't afford the trip. I had heard that you needed a permit to transport human remains into other countries, and I also heard that you needed a permit to scatter ashes in America. Along the Pacific coast of Northern California, there are beautiful cliffs that look over the ocean, and in some ways they are quite secluded. So I called my mom and I said, let's go. We're going to the cliffs and we're going to scatter his ashes today. Let the wind and ocean take him home, wherever he wishes that to be. And that is what happened. It was me, my mom, my eldest brother and my husband. We were driving along the Pacific Coast Highway when we found a secluded spot. It was a quiet morning, a bit windy, but quiet nonetheless, not a soul to be seen. As we started to scatter the ashes, 25 crows came out of nowhere and proceeded to fly all around us. Some just hovered near, some flew in front of us as we took handfuls of ashes to throw in the air, and still some just coasted the currents along the cliffs. As suddenly as they appeared, they were gone, which coincided with the ashes being gone as well. It was all a very surreal experience and I can't explain it. My brother says that the crows were just hungry and thought we had food. Or was it really the spirit of the banshee come to take him to the afterlife? Or perhaps I just tell myself that to make myself feel better. Here's the thing though. We never had crows around our apartment before. But since that day we constantly have them. One even follows me when I'm out walking the dog, or going to work, or on my way home. And I swear, it looks at me like it knows me. 
it's almost like nature came to give him a send-off, isn't it? It is. And one of the forms, I guess, of the Banshee is said to be a crow or a raven or a flock of crows. Yeah. From our Banshee episode. Yeah, which seems like a, like a million years ago it now. was a kind of a million years ago. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was a million years ago. Uh, I love that story. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's a really good story. I also love hearing um, people whose parents are Irish, but who weren't necessarily born and raised in, Irish, in Ireland, having the folklore being told to them, learning yeah. all about it, experiencing it. And look, let's call a spade a spade here. That woman you saw in the door was absolutely a fairy woman. Like 100%. <laughs> I can't comment on that because I've never seen one. How do you know? You may have seen one. I've only seen a milkman. That's all I've seen. Oh, the milkman in Canterbury, that famed <laughs> milkman that doesn't exist. The west of Ireland is a very magical place as well. Like it is a place mm. of kind of, it's a fairyland, I think. Did you time this story so that you were reading it when you got back from Ireland? So you no. could be all romanticised about it. Yeah, now I'm all wistful and <laughs> wishing that the fairies would come and take me home. No, actually, no, no, I take that back. I didn't mean that in real life. Please don't come and take me away. Oh, that's Please a really don't scary do that. thing to say. Why no. would you say that? I don't that? know why I said that. <laughs> I don't know if I spoke about it on here, but I my mum definitely spoke about it on a Patreon episode about my nana and her siblings uh, used to have a woman that would, a little woman that would appear in their shed. Do you remember that? When they were churning yeah. butter and they used to have to give her like bits of butter and sugar and whatever to keep her happy because they thought she was a fairy woman. I mean, she might well have been, but... Imagine if she wasn't though. What a ruse. <laughs> yeah, what? I mean, what an absolute way to to be fed. Imagine she just went from house to house asking for different things and everybody just presumed she was a fairy woman and actually she's just a, an old lady making her way. Or she was like, everybody around here is so generous. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's mad. I just need to go and ask for things and people just give it to me <laughs> while crying. Why are they all crying all the time? <laughs> but thank you, Katie. I mean, what a great story really good story i think it's nice to uh, when we when we talk about death as we always say it's nice to imagine that somebody does come mm. for the people that you've lost that again sounds really threatening what is wrong with me yeah uh, yeah i didn't mean it to sound threatening at all <laughs> i know what you meant are you ready for another story nope and our second story today comes from Haley. when i was probably around seven and my sister was around five our grandma moved to the same town as us Her house had three bedrooms, one for her and my grandpa, and one for my sister and I, and one for our brother. You walked in the front door, and you were in a small foyer-type area, with the living room straight ahead and the master bedroom directly to your right. To the left was a hallway. As you walked down it, you passed the entrance to the kitchen, the laundry room, and a garage. And then you came to my sister and I's room, and my brother's room at the end of the hall. Also at the end of the hall, in the ceiling, was the entrance to the attic. Like an actual attic that you could walk around in, with pull-down stairs and everything. Our room had two twin beds, a desk with a mirror, a dresser and a walk-in closet. So anyway, like I said, my sister and I were five and seven, roughly. Since we weren't living with my grandma, our walk-in closet was usually pretty empty. Just a couple of things for when we stayed there, some dress-up clothes and some games and colouring in books. One of those games was a Ouija board. Now since I was so young, I can't exactly remember how often we played or what we even asked. 
but I do remember my grandma setting up the walk-in closet with candles and turning off the light to play the Ouija board with us at least a couple of times. I also think it's worth noting that I don't remember feeling scared about the actual playing of the game. The fear only set in as I got older. So what I want to tell you is about not the actual game playing, but the things I experienced after. As I got older, we started staying over at my grandma's quite a bit, like probably at least every other week. About the time I was in maybe fifth grade, I started getting weird feelings in her house. I wasn't sleeping as well in our room. It felt too quiet and too cold. I loved staying with my grandma. I just hated sleeping in that room. I always kept the closet door shut, and to this day I can't sleep with open doors in my room. Every time I slept over, I wouldn't sleep well. I would have weird dreams and I would feel like it wasn't just my sister and I in our room. There was a painting on the wall across from our beds that I swear I could see the details of no matter how dark our room was. It was almost like it glowed or something. There was also a mirror on the wall next to my bed that I truly couldn't bear to look at. Around the time I got into middle school, I started sleeping in the living room on the couch. Every time I went into our room, I just got this weird feeling that I couldn't shake. It was dread. It even got to the point where, when I started walking down the hall towards our room, I could feel the pit in my stomach forming, and I could feel my body walk slower and hesitating to go further. One night, I got up to go to the bathroom. The bathroom door was directly down the hall from my brother's bedroom door, with the attic entrance right above that, and my sister and I's door. So I went to the bathroom, and as I walked out, I stopped. I looked at the little rope hanging down from the attic door in the ceiling, the rope used to pull the steps down. I couldn't move. I was absolutely transfixed. It was the middle of the night and I'm standing at the hallway staring at this rope, thinking that I should go into the attic. Not thinking about how noisy it would be to pull the stairs down, how dark it would be in the attic, just feeling like I needed to go up there. Let me tell you, it took everything in my body to walk away and back to the living room. I remember being in that house alone as I got older and always feeling like I wasn't alone. I was hardly even able to go to the bathroom because it meant I had to walk down that hallway towards the corner of the house with our room. I only went in my sister and I's room when it was absolutely necessary, but never into the walk-in closet unless someone else was in the room with me. It sucks not being able to remember much about the actual playing of the Ouija board, but I know something must have happened for me to be affected like that. A couple of other small things about this house worth noting that add to the creep factor. It sat on the edge of a canyon with tons of windows. So at night, if the blinds were up, you were staring out into complete darkness. My brother's room had this doll that was probably about two and a half feet tall. And it was a doll of a woman in a dress with pointy shoes and blonde hair. She sat upright in a chair in the corner of his room visible from the hallway if his door was open. Finally, her house was always freezing. 
She kept the heat really low and had tile floors, so the floor always felt icy. By the time my grandparents moved out, I was old enough to drive, and my family had moved a few blocks away from the house, so I drove by it often on my way to school or work or wherever. Every time I drove by, I felt off. I could only think about that closet, the attic, and that stupid Ouija board. I would look at the house as I drove by, and I would feel like it was looking back at me. This next story happened a couple of years ago, during fall term of my senior year in college. This was the first time I experienced sleep paralysis. I was in a sorority, and it was initiation week. We would initiate new members on Friday, and it would start at about 6 or 7 and usually go on till about 9 or 10. I get back to my apartment after initiation at about 10 or so and just pass out in my bed from the exhaustion of recruitment week and because I had to be up early the next day. I had three other roommates and one of them had her boyfriend visiting for the weekend. I knew him and he was a really nice guy so I didn't mind having him around. I'm sleeping hard and at about two or three in the morning I'm woken up by some sort of sound. I start to awake, but I don't open my eyes yet. I realise I'm laying on my back. I usually sleep on my side and that I cannot move my body. The only thing I'm able to do is open my eyes. For some context, my bed was in the corner of my room, with the length on the same wall as my door and the width on the same wall as a window. So when I was laying in bed, I was looking at my door and my window behind my head. My bedroom was on the third floor. Like I said, a noise woke me, and I could only open my eyes. When I opened my eyes, I realised that the noise that woke me was my door opening, and that someone was standing in my doorway, peeking into my room, staring at me. It was a man, and he was silhouetted with a blue light backlighting him, so I couldn't make out any facial features. Before completely freaking out, I think, oh, maybe it's my roommate's boyfriend thinking this is her room. They went out drinking and maybe he's too drunk to remember which room is hers, so he's checking it out. The man doesn't move. And I realise my roommate's boyfriend has been to our apartment a million times. And there's no way he could just forget which room was hers. The figure keeps staring at me and I'm frozen. I can't see any eyes or facial features like I said, but I knew this figure was just absolutely staring into my soul. Eventually, he slowly closes the door. I still can't move and I realise it must be sleep paralysis. So I wait for the effects to wear off. But as I'm waiting, I start hearing whispering. It's coming from all over my room, like the voices are swirling in the air around me, some close by and some far away. I really start freaking out now, but I still can't move. Finally, the voices stop. But all of a sudden, one single, loud voice says something directly into my ear. This voice came from right behind me where my window was. Remember, I'm on the third floor. There's no way a voice from some random person outside could feel that close. 
I swear I felt the voices breathe on my ear. I can't remember what the voice said. I don't even think it was in English. But I remember this scaring me enough to make me scream. Of course I still couldn't move. But trying to scream was what eventually broke me out of the paralysis and allowed movement of my body again. I looked around my room. Looked behind me at my window and of course nothing was out of the ordinary. I didn't sleep well the rest of the night and I felt completely drained the next day like I hadn't slept at all. I still wonder about it a lot, what the voice said to me and why the shadow figure was backlit with a glowing blue light. And more importantly, who that shadow figure was. This last story is shorter and happier. That being said, it starts sad. My paternal grandpa passed about a year before I was born, so I never got to meet him. According to my dad, though, I'm just like him. When I was born, my dad was actually taken aback because when he looked into my eyes, he could see his dad's eyes. I had the exact same colour eyes as my grandpa, a greenish hazel, while both of my siblings and my parents all have bright blue eyes. I also have the same smirk and head tilt that my grandpa had in photos of him from his childhood and young adulthood. One specific thing I remember is that my dad was driving me to school one day. I think in like ninth or 10th grade. He was driving me in his old Chevy that I'd been in a million times. It happened to be my grandpa's before he passed. He turned into a parking spot and had to maneuver quite a few times to successfully park. And I quipped, Man, if a new car turns on a dime, this thing turns on a $3 bill. Just joking about how wide a turn it makes. My dad looked at me weird and asked me where I heard this expression, specifically the $3 bill thing. I said I didn't know, I just thought it was funny because $3 bills don't exist and this truck can't turn for crap. He told me that it was something his dad used to always say about that truck, that it was a piece of crap and couldn't turn to save its life. Apparently he would specifically say it turned on a $3 bill instead of a dime. I don't remember having ever heard my dad or my grandma or anyone else for that matter say this particular phrase. And I honestly don't know where I came up with it. In college I majored in geography. During my second year when I had finally decided on that major, my dad happened to mention that his dad, my grandfather, also majored in geography in college. I never knew this until I picked it. So anyway... Those are just a couple of coincidences or similarities between my granddad and I that I think are really cool since I never got to meet him. I think since he only died a year before I was born that maybe a part of him is also a part of me. In a bigger way than just normal familial similarities. I have a few other small experiences that have happened to me. Mostly just gut feelings and hearing things in the distance. But I always think it's cool, even when it's creepy. I'm very open to the possibility of a realm other than ours, and the paranormal in general. I have a hard time believing that this plane we exist on is truly all there is. If the universe is infinite, then so are the possibilities. Oh, that's a good last line, isn't it? I, like I that. mean, listen, that <laughs> was impressive. That's a tagline for a Star Trek movie or something, isn't it? 
Uh, is it actually? No. Oh, I thought I mean, you meant it, it was actually. No, like a... no, no, no. Like I mean, it's that. It sounds like it is a, a tagline for like a sci-fi adventure. Uh, we're copywriting that, Emma and Dan. Sorry, Haley. <laughs> it's ours now. The story about the grandpa is cool. I like little things like that. Yeah, I like those um, familial traits that go down through the generations as well. Like, I just think it's really cool when you, when somebody says to you, oh, you're so like your great aunt who you've never met, which I think is just a really cool thing. Apart to from male pattern baldness. That's... Yeah, less cool. <laughs> Depends on how you feel about it. I mean, I think you rock a shaved head, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> as terrifying as the, the fact that the grandma did Ouija boards with her grandkids is, still kind of kick-ass as well. I like the idea of a grandma just knocking around with a Ouija board, making her grandkids do Ouija boards. And the only thing I can't agree with is the doll. Who wants a two foot doll? Two and a half foot. No. No dolls. Thank you. I'm I can't you yeah. believe the grandmother was knocking about doing Ouija boards. <laughs> Hang on. Let me get the candles and we'll play. <laughs> yeah, in I, the cupboard. <laughs> although we know it was a dating game, right? Yeah. We know it was a parlor game. So, you know, maybe she was just a bit cooler about it. And she was like, oh, this is just a bit of fun to have with the kids summoning demons and whatever else happens with Ouija boards who if, knows if we've weren't learnt one thing from listeners stories it's not just a bit of fun no <laughs> don't Do you, touch them boards no public service announcement from Dan don't touch them boards <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so if you enjoyed this week's episode you can find anything that you want to find out about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com you can find the link to our Patreon where for $5 or $2 a month or apparently now you can sign up yearly, which is very exciting. You can get loads of extra content and you can cancel anytime you wish if you sign up at $5 or $2 a month. You are also doing something very exciting this month. Do, would you like to tell the good people about it? I am in the process of doing 31 Games of Terror, which is every day I will stream a new horror game for your delight so that you can laugh at me pooing myself. Um, but we're doing it in aid of the campaign against living miserably, which details about the charity can be found at calmzone.net. Um, so we're looking to raise money for them. They're a really good suicide prevention and awareness charity in the UK. And there is a Just Giving page, which you can find on our Instagrams. I will also leave a link to the Just Giving page in the description of this episode. And if you would like to email your own story, you can do that on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. I feel like I've forgotten to podcast, by the way. Like, I don't know how to do it anymore. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's no, awful, isn't it? No, I'm joking. Oh, I was like, oh no, is it really that bad? <laughs> we shall see you next week. Bye.